0: Welcome to the Football by Football podcast. Welcome back to the FBF podcast. This is Matt Chatham ready to roll again here with a sort of two-tiered show, a little different than past weeks. Brady Papinga is back on with me. Ted Johnson, former Patriot, a current CBS radio guy down in Houston, covering the Texans. He'll be on later. So we're going to sort of uh, two waves of great insight here first we start with Brady and Brady I, I my understanding was you were uh, doing something with the Monday night football game the other night what was that all about
1: yeah man I was on sideline with Westwood one and it was a entertaining awesome. game to say at least if you're into that up and down track meet they kept saying, Kevin Harlan we play by play we're a beautiful game he kept saying and maybe from the defensive <laughs> perspective I was like ah, it's an ugly battle buddy but hey it's everyone their own, you know, and it's all about the the beholder. But yeah, in terms of offensive football, it was quite the offensive outing for
0: both teams. It, it I I look at this like two or three different ways. Like I, it's not cut and dried for me. So they got they got hammered as far as the rating on Monday night, but it was opposite the presidential debate, right? So there was a lot yeah. of people in America. I think they were a little bit torn. I, I tried the flip back thing. Uh, I wasn't in a car or, you know, near radio to hear the Westman One portion of it either. But I, I just, I found myself really, you know, a devoted football fan. I got you know running this website we're doing. You got to talk about around the league stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I need to check in. I'm doing fantasy football. I think one of the guys I was playing against was using a couple Atlanta players. So, you know, I want to check in on the game. But I, I didn't. Uh, but maybe but for a couple of times, I'm almost like score checking on, on my phone. But anyway, the reason I bring that up is it's been kind of a weird, a weird uh, few opening weekends of TV ratings. And that's kind of been this big hot story. I I think the presidential debate one's pretty, pretty slam dunk of why that might've been the case, but do you have any theories of, of why it's down or are these just anomalies or we should just not pay attention to them or let it flush itself out? Or is there something there? Did you have a thought or theory on, on the ratings of the NFL so far this season?
1: Oh, yeah, I don't think they're going down at all. I think what happens is is everybody's going to streaming. And for some reason, right. uh, it happens with Fox Sports Radio. They can't, what's the word, measure it as consistently as they do the old school ratings. And so they're all freaking out. Like, how do we measure now for our potential uh, sponsorship deals that we do? How much eyes are on the TV or on our programming when they don't have a certain level of measurement in place? For those that are streaming, and I'm a pure streamer right now, I I don't have any cable subscription, satellite subscription, and I'm imagining a lot of people are doing that just because you can pay as you go, and you can, it's almost like you can pay whatever you want for the, the game you want, and then when you're done, you just sort of cancel that, and you move on to something else without any penalties. It's a great service if you have a fast internet connection. So I would probably conclude that it's more to deal with streaming and their inability talking about the stations of being able to measure that activity versus the old conventional satellite or cable way of doing it
0: yeah it's an interesting thought and and if if you don't have the metric and those are sort of what your ad buys are based upon uh, I would I I guess I could see the other side of the table where I'd be a nervous ad buyer or ad seller because I'd be like dude well you know normally I know that by virtue of buying this 60 second ad I'm going to get a percentage grab of 20 million viewers viewers you know and if for in one year yep. it goes down and it's 16 million viewers i know i'm still going to get that percentage of 16 but if like you're saying it's like hey it might actually be 25 but this meter over here is saying 13 because you know the rest of them all went somewhere else but they're still seeing your product <laughs> like deciding where to buy from or how to buy i mean it can get confusing but yeah i i guess my my first my first reaction was like okay There's got to be more to this because I feel like I feel like I would expect numbers to be up because of this DFS stuff. The Daily Fantasy world, it it makes me watch games I never would have watched. It makes me pay attention. Like I I used to be more the, you know, I work in this Patriots market. So I have to watch that game intently. And when those afternoon games come on, I would usually check out, you know, I'd go back to other things and start writing for that job. Now I shit through the next four hours, (laughs) you know, I'm an avid watcher. So, and again, I know I work in the industry, so maybe that skews me a little bit, but I also just wonder the the lay fans are out there. Do they, I don't know how many people that, Live where I used to live back in Iowa or South Dakota, or all of a sudden watching an East Coast game between the Jets and Dolphins <laughs> just because they have guys playing in the game. I, I would think, if anything, my guess would be the numbers would be up. But like I said, the numbers we're seeing are a little phony. But all right, so hey, we're, we're going to dive into some football topics here. And this is, a, I will fully uh, fully admit, full, uh, full disclosure here, that in part why I was drawn to this topic is because I wanted to kick up a discussion with you because I'm a little confused. After three weeks, uh, you know, I do the, the lock segment each week for the website, and last week was a, was a beat went one and three. I never have one and three weeks. I'm I'm mad when I go two and two because on juice you're still still paying back. But I, I don't. I I had one of the more head scratching weeks I remember in picking games in a long long time because some of my surefire teams just wet the bed. And I thought the most overwhelming thing for me was this sensation of, wow, I've just now seen a team that I studied pretty hard uh, come out and look entirely different. Jekyll and Hyde, we'll call it today. So some of the biggest, most, most egregious offenders a week ago, Pittsburgh Steelers flying high for two weeks. People are bringing them into this sort of fad fad conversation for the Super Bowl, and they get beat up on. Uh, put, somebody put the you know Eagles all, better than them by 30. Uh, the Cardinals, one where maybe that was a little risky on my part because I thought they looked pretty sloppy on opening week against the Patriots, uh, but then they came back with this, you know, flying colors look great against uh, Tampa, and again, that's probably what it deserves an asterisk. Uh, then they come out and just look terrible against the Bills. Those are two early examples, but uh, your your experience as a player and now as an analyst, what do you account for these sort of crazy roller coaster rides that, that teams seem to be having and several teams around the league in just these first few weeks
1: that's an excellent question I mean I think every case almost has its own reasoning and it's like an anomaly like for an example with the Bills they had a couple of games in the beginning of the season where they weren't using Tyrod Taylor as a runner they were just using more of the drawback passer maybe that led to Greg Roman getting fired I don't know I doubt it since he was one of the architects behind using Colin Kaepernick as a runner with the 49ers. But the bottom line there is, is pretty much after they fired him after the New York Jet game, the Bills just got into this mentality like, heck, we have nothing to lose. This ship's going down. We're all going down with it. We don't care if you run. We don't care if you beat yourself up. Go, go, go at it. You know, whereas last year they're all worried about protecting him. So he goes off and rips off, I believe it was 79 yards, a big touchdown, running all over the place. And this Cardinals defense, as you understand it. When you prepare for a game, you're always looking at the past to try to predict the future. And I'm sure the Cardinals are, you know, using some of those read option quarterback running plays and their scout looks, and they were preparing for him. But they probably were thinking in the back of the heads, "Ah, we're not worried about this. We're more worried about other things. And then, lo and behold, he goes and just runs wild on them. LeSean McCoy runs wild on them. You know, and all of a sudden, it's a whole new team that you're facing. You know, and, and I don't and right. know with the Philadelphia Eagles – that I, I just couldn't buy Carson Wentz the first two games. So I'm looking at the Browns' defense. I'm looking at the Chicago Bears' defense. I'm like, man, they're not right. even pressuring this guy. How can you say that this guy's doing well in the NFL? And I'm sure the Steelers are thinking the same way. I mean, they were talking smack before the week, and they're like, man, we're Blitzberg. We're going to bring the house on this guy, and he's going to crumble, <laughs> and, and we're going to dominate him, you know? And lo and behold, it was the, the reverse kind of role. They tried pressuring him, but he, he beat their blitzes so bad that they actually went to coverage. I mean, are you serious? So, I mean, to me it was almost like you thought you had a read as a team with the preparation that you put in, but you came to find out that all that you had prepared for was for nothing because the team you ended up facing was you, the, the Cardinals and the Bills, or you're the uh, the Steelers and the, the, the uh, Eagles, ended up being a team that you didn't even see on film because they were a whole new team or a team that you just didn't give much respect to.
0: Yeah, I I wonder – so we can go down the list, and that's kind of what I wanted to do on today's show, kind of fans out there, and we'll have fans that come from all different markets – to listen to this show that that follow the website and and uh, yeah I kind of want to either put a little fear into someone if you cheer for a team and try to figure out which the really great <laughs> which one's real the really great one or the really bad one or or potentially provide solace it's like okay here's why this uh, needs to be sort of held in perspective I'll have one and this is something that when when t j when Ted Johnson gets on here later we'll talk a little bit about his Houston Texans but one of the ones uh, in this group of chaotic sort of uh, games that went on on last Sunday. Uh, the one that was a Thursday, not a Sunday, that I don't put a ton of stock in is the Texans game. Uh, and, and for this reason, and again, I'm working at the pages market, so it would be easy for me just to pump them up. But I, I just, I, I have this sort of personal rule about road teams on Thursday games and that there's a real high, sort of lay an egg factor and uh, you know, I've just seen too many teams look out of character to what I've studied on that particular game. I don't, I don't like the gamble on that week. I don't even do the fantasy stuff on that week. I just say anything could happen. Like who knows, you know, like it's just let that thing lie. Something good may happen for you. Something may not, but uh, I think it was just a real perfect uh, storm of scenarios for the Patriots. They, they come out and, and really three or four big plays that they hit on in the first half and the game was over. Uh, they, they, And they were all hmm. trick plays, you know, a, a, little, a little option, reverse out thing, tunnel screen thing, naked bootlegs. Like there's no way. Uh, and that's not what they did with this with with Jacoby Brissett the week before against the Dolphins and his fill in time. So you're at a tremendous advantage. The other team has to travel. Everyone's just doing walkthroughs. If teams want to do the goofy plays like the Patriots do, there's a real high risk that you might screw it up and hurt yourself. Uh, They pulled it off. They're the masters of preparation, whatever. But I'm just thinking if I'm a Texans fan right now, I think there's reason to believe that your team's a lot closer to the one that really controlled a Chiefs team uh, two weeks ago on a full week of prep uh, than they are the one that just really blew it against the Patriots. But I'm curious, just from your own sort of personal experience, you ever remember playing in a game, And you know, spending that hardcore week of preparation, you you thought you knew the team. You know, whatever coaching staff you're with at the time, they got you watching three or four, three or four game tapes. You know, I know Team X, and you go out there and a few series into it, like, well, this isn't who we watch. Who the hell are these guys? Good, bad, or otherwise? Have you ever had some experience kind of like that? Oh, exactly
1: like that. But it was even more in depth than all these teams because we faced the Arizona Cardinals back in 2009, and the last game of the season, which was worthless because it didn't matter who won or lost that game. We were going to face each other again in Arizona Uh, the first week in the uh, wild card round. And so we go into this game, and literally we're throwing all of our best stuff at these guys because McCarthy's attitude was, oh, we're going to play this game like it means something. This will propel us into the playoffs. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, we'll see how this goes. And then on the other side, Ken Wittenhunt, he treated it like a preseason game. He had his starters come out for the first half, and they ran vanilla stuff against us. And then all of a sudden came trotting out Matt Art in the second team in the second half. And again, vanilla stuff, nothing real special. We dominated them. And so sure enough, we land that Sunday night, and McCarthy makes an announcement that Monday and Tuesday, we will work this week. This is a big week. We're like, what are we doing? <laughs> so we're going to watch a film of that game. So we go, we watch the film, and we study that very game my issue. not anything before not that very game we are memorizing that game as if that same thing was going to happen again in the first round of the wild card because we were playing Saturday I believe it was and sure enough yeah. we go into the game and I mean you could look at the stats they were gashing us everything that we had in terms of these cool exotic blitzes and oh we just scrapped it and we <laughs> went so simple so basic we couldn't blitz Warner he was just I mean our, our blitzes counted for nothing because he got the ball and so quickly and so it went from this kind of idea of yeah let's based all of our preparation off of this one game that meant nothing to them, a lot to us, to basically say, uh-oh, scratch everything we just prepared for because it's not the same team. They got us. It was almost like they sanded (laughs) for us, and and we fell right into their trap. But, uh, yeah, I've been there before, and it happens a lot, too. Uh, You know, with the Houston Texans, when you get a new quarterback in there, like percent, you know, you don't know what. I mean, you got to go back to college, maybe, and look at this guy play. <laughs> if you think you go back to the preseason and you not have different opinions on the preseason? It's worthless. You don't know what you're going to get from the preseason. When people are pulling things up, it's like, no, he's not seeing a regular season defense. And so you don't really know what to expect. And then the best part is they pull out the running quarterback schemes on you, where a defense, unless right. you have those really specifically trained, you're going to be at a loss. And so, I mean, I, I completely can understand why Houston went out and in laid an A because with percent playing, it was almost like they uh, they had nothing to go off of and they were just sort of going in blind. And and that was to the Patriots' advantage. And so, and I can say that for those other teams I mentioned too, when you talk about the Cardinals facing the Bills, you can talk about the, uh, the the Steelers facing the Eagles, they didn't end up facing the very teams that they had put the time in studying. And that's why you see a lot of, uh, a flip 180 of these teams' performances from one week to another.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why, at its core, it's not so much making excuses for people, but I think it's just sort of a learned behavior, or a learned sort of response, I guess, that football, because it's so game plan heavy, because it's so... Uh, dependent upon scouting someone and kind of figure out who their identity is really the bigger, the sample size, the better chance you are of knowing who they are. The old cliche that, you know, teams, you really know who a team is once you clear Thanksgiving and you hope you win as many games as possible up until then. And I I just, I also, I look at this and like some of these teams, it's like, it's really hard. You you hit on it with, with, uh, with Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Like, I mean, it's easy to, to be skeptical when it was, the Browns and bears, like those are probably team 32 and 31 in the NFL. So, you know, I just, uh, I, I, I get how a team would not, not be ready or something, but a 30 point spread is just so incredible. Um, I, I, the other thing I look at, and this is, this is sort of the flip side of this coin. We can go through these Jekyll and Hyde teams. And I think it's, it's important to kind of instruct them to do it with teams like the Texans, with teams like the, the, the Cardinals, who I think, uh, well, I actually went back and talked to uh or not sorry and talk to read up quite a bit on, on the Cardinals and the, the off season they had and, and there was a lot of quotes after a couple of their preseasons how pissed off Bruce Arians was about how slow they started. And about how this team needs to get their head out of their ass. Basically, what he was saying, he's like, you know, I'm doing rep limits with these guys. They're, uh, I think at the time he said, Larry Fitzgerald's only had 45 snaps. He's like, we're taking care of them, but we need to have two or three valuable series so that I know everyone's straight. And uh, then now we head into the season, and they, had, at least in last week's game against the Bills, three and out, six series in a row. And I, I just, I'm looking at that saying, you know what? they were sloppy as hell in the NFC championship game. They had a bad camp and then uh, they didn't look very good against the Patriots. I mean, it it was meant, it was turned into a feel good story about how the Patriots, you know, with Jimmy Garoppolo, and overcome the big deflate gate thing and all that. But after going back and watching the film, I was like, man, the Carlson play very good. They blew a lot of stuff. A lot of missed tackles, a lot of problems. So, I'm sitting here thinking, you know what, maybe this is who they are and maybe one of these teams uh, that we're talking about in this Jekyll and Hyde scenario, I'd probably vote for the Cardinals, the one that say, hey, maybe the the bad persona is the one that's actually going to end up being more dominant. I don't know what I'm going to throw this back to you, though, with one of the teams that, that I'm particularly curious about because. I think when we talk about up and down up and down up and down we've got you know you can you can mention the Raiders in that scenario as well worst defense in the NFL for 2 weeks and then all of a sudden they play great on the road against Tennessee who just won on the road in uh, in Detroit uh how about a team like that or even a team even more dramatic case like the Vikings who've really put three solid performances out there are there a, is there another team in your head that says you know what I've seen three things but the fourth might be dramatically different than what we've seen. Like someone you're not believing in, I guess, at this point.
1: Uh, somebody that I'm still doubting? I, You know, I. I it's not really a team. It's more just uh, Trevor Simeon in the situation oh, okay. with Denver Broncos. I mean,
2: he had a couple of
1: games to where he was average, below average, to the point where it looked like he had another one of those kind of games just last week. You know, uh, Kubiak was probably going to pull him. It seemed that way, and they're going to just say, we're going with Paxton Lynch, forget this guy. Because he'd been turning the ball over, he hadn't been functional, he hadn't been keeping defenses on us, but all of a sudden he goes into the Bengals on his first road game as a starter and just lights it up. I think he had four touchdowns or 200 yards throwing him, and he obviously was having high-deal looks because they were daring him to throw the ball, and he responded. But I don't think it's sustainable. I don't believe he's that kind of a player. I think what we've seen in the first couple weeks is more of who he is. This is more of an aberration as teams – respect them just a slight bit more. I, I think the Bengals just had no respect for him. And, and so I'm more looking at the player, and I don't believe that third game, this game against the Bengals, is what we're going to continue to see as we move on. I believe he will eventually struggle. He'll eventually get to that position to where they're going to have to hand the keys off to Paxton Lynch to come in and okay. play like Ben Roethlisberger did his rookie year, which is basically hand the ball off, have 15 passes that are just to keep defense honest kind of passes, and then let your defense carry you from there on out.
0: It's an interesting thought, and I'm glad you brought up Trevor Samian because I, I watched him because I was doing in the little, our little No Guts, No Glory series that we've been doing on the website, and I I, I wrote on him because I was curious. I mean, I, I watched it, it as a red zone watching. <laughs> I caught the the Bengals the Bengals Broncos game where I was in and out of the game, basically just watching the highlights and stuff like that. And one of the things I noticed, and this is something that's so it's so difficult football. I can even uh, uh, sort of associate this with. Well, I, I worked the Boston College game last week, and Boston College has this quarterback, Patrick Tolles, who uh, Brady Quinn, on a college show, a college podcast we did two years ago, was highlighting him in, at Kentucky, and he was a, the, the next big thing. You know, Kentucky had a few nice wins. Tolles is flinging it, slinging it, whatever. And all of a sudden now, you know, Tolles transfers. He's a grad transfer to BC, and he had one of those games where his stat line looks really impressive he ran around and scored and you know did yeah threw a bunch of touchdowns whatever but it it reminded me of simeon in that simeon has two balls on that resume of the over 300 a really what ends up being phenomenal i i know like guys like brett brett Favre had these but brett brett proved himself over time that he was he was worth the risk and he was a stud but Simeon fit that, that out route at the goal line in to Emmanuel Sanders that was a fingernail away from being a pick six return the other way. And it's just the game is cruel that way. Like, he's great now, right? It ends up being another one of those touchdowns. But it, it's inches from, wow, that was almost a really bad decision, you know? And then I looked down at, like, the go route he, he threw that was mildly underthrown, but then Demarius Thomas went up and got it. Same thing. If if the cornerback was all over that route, makes that play, and his stat lines now two touchdowns as opposed to four, and it's uh, you know take back off uh, another seventy or eighty yards off that total, you you see it entirely differently. So it catch it gets caught great job quarterback it doesn't get caught great job you know not so good you suck and it's, it's just sort of that fine line of of success in the nfl it always kind of drives me nuts but it's kind of you're kind of the same guy one way or another whether it it comes out in your favor but mm-hmm. the one team i wanted to sort of hit you off because this was this was the one that that shocked me the most this is the one where i didn't see it uh well i mean i didn't see it in the other direction i i, I got i got fool on Arizona but the Vikings I would say the Vikings are that one team where you know we've been respecting the heck out of their defense we wrote on this uh multiple occasions last year and just how that team was built and how they were defensively led and all that kind of stuff um I just thought things would go south with Sam Bradford not not like south in the tank but just a little bit a notch below where they were before struggle to score defense will play okay but maybe a defense that's now in chase mode doesn't get as many stops uh but it hadn't been the case. They went into Carolina and won in Carolina, and they returned a punt for a touchdown. Uh, what was sort of your your feelings on them? And is Minnesota one of those teams in in your your old team, the Packers division? Are they are they sustainable the way they're built?
1: No question, and it's because their defense is so suffocating, dominant. They have, um, I think, their cover corners are, as a group, some of the best cover corners and press man you can find. They got interior linemen, they got rushers, they got linebackers that can rush, cover, and pound in the running game. I mean, this is like top to bottom, the most complete defense we've seen in a long time. I mean, I'll put them probably on the same level as the Denver Broncos. They just seem to be a little different, though. There's something about them. I mean, they're literally carrying their team in spite of the limitations they have offensively. I mean, that happened week one with all these – you know, an ineptness on offense is putting the ball in the end zone. I'm sure Sean Hill was looking over his shoulder, knowing that Bradford was eventually going to get in there, which affected his performance. But even so, their defense, I think, what scored two touchdowns, carried their team to victory. I mean, it was it was phenomenal, and it's been that way with the Packers. Everybody's talking about the Packers, Aaron was holding on to the ball too long, all this kind of stuff. It's like, if you don't have anywhere to throw the ball because your guys are just covered up, I mean, what are you you supposed to do at that point? I mean, that's just the level they're playing at, and I do believe it's sustainable. And that's why I always, from the beginning, was saying, why make such a desperate move to pay such a high price for a guy like Sam Bradford when you could essentially throw almost any guy back there? I'm not saying, you know, you pick out the street, but I'm talking like anybody like Mark Sanchez, I do believe, uh, Sean Hill, uh most guys you could put back there just say hey keep the defense honest don't turn the ball over hand it off and we'll be fine because that's just how good our defense is that's how I always read them and I still believe that about them and so bearing any crazy injuries across the board I mean there are some teams that like the New Orleans Saints for example they had like six guys inactive because they're all hurt (laughs) you know I mean that's like half the defense was out so bearing anything like that happening to the Minnesota Vikings defense, I do believe they're going to have sustained dominance and they will continue to carry that team. And then they just have some impressive weapons on that offense. I mean, you got Kyle Rudolph, the like you talked about the quarterback spinky. You can just throw it in his vicinity. And I mean, the guy is so big, athletic and strong. You can get it for you. And Stefan Diggs, you know, his numbers speak for themselves and his ability uh, is something that's, you know, he's one of those explosive kind of wideouts. Again, it doesn't require a lot of elite quarterback play just, the guy to get the ball in his vicinity and those two guys can just make magic happen. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a buyer with the Vikings, uh, the Packers, they're going to have their hands full uh, trying to win that division.
0: Yeah, I, I think I am too. I do differ you than you a little bit on Sam Bradford, just because after a couple games and, and some, some chats with some of his old teammates, I think that was maybe the kicker for me. I have a generally negative perception about Sam watched him that much so and now that I've watched him in two full games I'm like you know he can do some stuff that some of those other guys can't I think that in my view the thing that makes it unique is because Mike Zimmer is such like a, a strict seems to have a lot of buy-in throughout the roster they kind of have a theme and a a method that they go about each and every week, the predictable and then what you're going to get. The one thing I think Sam Bradford gives them that in the event that they happen to be in a different style game. And, and like you mentioned with their defense, maybe it's not likely to happen very often, but Sam can sling it and fit some throws that some other guys can't. Uh, but turnovers become a question then. Right. So, I mean, back to your theme, maybe he's just handing off, handing off and eventually hit with shots and, and just be a ball control guy. I just think if they ever get in a situation where they get down a score or two. Some of those other guys can't bring you back. I, I even saw that with Teddy Bridgewater a little bit last year, even when people were there was a lot of good vibe and good feeling about him, but he wasn't really a sling it guy and in, in got to have it kind of moment. So I think he gives him that benefit, a little bit of flexibility if they ever get caught in that spot. But in all the other spots, yeah, you could probably get away with a lot of different uh, veteran quarterbacks, but we will see. So one last final Jekyll and Hyde have to hit on it, have to hit on it. Uh, it's my former team, and it made no sense to me. I had at least slight buy-in on this idea that the New York Jets uh, were not a, not a threat to the Patriots necessarily, but, but a legitimate wild card, you know, finished with a high record, just South of the Patriots, could be a contender if they're not matched against them, essentially. All these veterans, Ryan Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. coming back and all that kind of stuff. Matt Forte, which yeah, I was a little hesitant about what that would be, but then after watching him for three weeks, he's still got it. Uh, can he sustain it for 16? We don't know that, but that was the one team, just disgusting defensive line. They're, they're as disruptive as any group in the league. Yep, they look down and they're, they're still giving up points. I don't understand that. But how how who do you think the Jets are? Do you think they're the team that just got – walloped by the Chiefs or the team that was just a point worse than the Bengals a little bit before? You know, I mean, they're a team that it, they are going to be a
1: function of Ryan Patrick and his propensity to throw picks. That's the reason why okay. they didn't want to pay him any money in first place because they looked at his career, and the only time that he's had far more touchdowns than interceptions was this last year. And they're looking at it like, you know, the averages eventually kick in Things eventually balance out, and a guy for a decade who's thrown more picks or at least on par with uh, interceptions and touchdowns, he's eventually going to get back to that same kind of playing, which they don't want to play that way. You know, Todd Bowles, he's a defensive guy. He wants his defense to be put in positions to succeed. He wants his offense to control the ball. That's just how that kind of defensive guy thinks. And the worst thing he can – just, you know, like we talk about the, the Broncos and the Patriots. The worst thing that happens is you turn the ball over. You put your defense in compromising positions. It takes away their ability to do what they got to do in terms of being dominant and suffocating and keeping teams out of the end zone or keeping teams from scoring. And so when you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's just who he is, man. And so unless they pull back and make him be more conservative, which basically means run the ball more, more quick right. game kind of stuff, more screens. You know you're going to run that risk with him, but that's a waste if you got a guy like Brandon Marsh and you got Eric Decker out there. I mean, these are guys that are vertical threat guys, and so it's right. it's a catch. To, I don't know if it's a catch-22. More than it is, they're in a conundrum. They, I mean, you got a guy who's going to throw picks when he likes to stretch it vertically. That's the history that shows him, but it's going to compromise your team. So you got to almost ride it and just uh, and see in hope that he can put another year together like last year. But I don't believe he can. I believe that's just who he is. He just has that knack about him when he throws a lot of interceptions and because of such i believe it's going to be a roller coaster ride throughout the year uh, there's going to be times where he plays clean plays well like he did against the bills and light it up and then other times like you did this last week where it's just trash can and it's no good
0: gotcha okay so just as sort of an exercise and i'm putting you on the spot this is hot takey stuff just more gut feeling as we stand here we'll machine gun through the list Uh, of these really roller coaster teams thus far. Cardinals, closer to the team we've seen win or closer to the team we just saw lose?
1: Uh, I'm going to say closer to the team we saw lose. Carson Palmer looks checked out like he did with the Oakland Raiders. And for that reason, I don't see them doing much noise. And I think it was last in the playoffs, he got his confidence rattled. And it still can't go this year.
0: Gotcha. We'll go quickly on all these. So, Raiders, uh, closer to the team that played nice defense in, in Tennessee or a team that was doo-doo for the two weeks prior? I
1: think they look, they're going to continue to look like they did in Tennessee.
0: Okay, good enough. Uh, how about, uh, let's see, down my list here. We'll go with those Jets. I think you just answered it. They're going to ride their roller coaster. So sure. I personally, I'll, I'll weigh in on that one. I think they're, I think they're going to be closer to the good team uh, because I think Todd Bowles will pull that in. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll put up with that. I, I just, he just seems like too conservative a guy, a guy that wants to go a different way uh that won't let that train happen and if he has to just hand it off he's got too good of a defense to, to risk it that way so i'm guessing if i had to gamble and i'll err towards them being closer to the, the team that they were in the weeks before than that one how about you and the steelers closer to the team that shoot everyone's talking about is a near super bowl or a team that's 30 points worse than the eagles
1: oh they're not 30 point, points worse than eagles and they're playing well so they're more close to that team that everybody's expecting them to be
0: okay Easy enough. And I think a lot of people feel that way. It's sort of more of a, what was your confirmation bias kind of thing? We were all starting to really feel good. I think humanively fan or not, but like the Steelers team can be something. They're going to be the the resurgent team this year. So I'm half hoping that 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 initial gut feeling was right, but uh, who knows? Uh, I think I'm with you though on there. They'll probably still be a pretty good team. So, all right, buddy, that's all we've got this week. Are you off to uh, do any more, uh, any more games this weekend?
1: This weekend I'm cool other than my NFL show that's going to be on Fox Support Days 9 p.m. East or uh, Eastern 9 p.m. Pacific midnight Eastern. So if you're up after the game and you want to watch a little football in Spanish, you know where to find me.
0: Awesome, dude! One of those times you can have me on as a guest. I'll just have to. I need to tune up. I have a minor in Spanish, uh, which means I know about okay. 11 sentences. And we'll we'll work those okay. same eleven sentences into any answer about any football game. <laughs> Where do I live? <laughs> what is my favorite? What yeah, is my favorite is, comida? Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I kid, but uh, uh, you, it's very impressive that you're able to bounce in and out between the two languages. Because I tried it when I was in college, and uh, I couldn't pull it off. So, yeah, tip of the cap. Yeah, uh,
1: it takes years, man. I've been doing it for eighteen years now. So.
0: Yeah, I had one of my, one of my buddies in college way off the track here, but he, uh, I think it was Ecuador where he went like after he, you did it on a mission. He did, he was, uh, going to teach Spanish and to like high school kids. So he went over and did, uh, he went over and taught English to Spanish kids, uh, in Ecuador or something like that. So obviously you got to be fluent on both sides if you're teaching it. So whoopsie looks like, uh, we dropped Brady Papanga there, but that's okay. First wave of the show done. Got through our Jekyll and Hyde section. Now Ted Johnson's going to be on the show. And welcome here, Ted Johnson, TJ, uh, working down there in Houston, covering the Texans, my old teammate here with the Patriots. (laughs) Teddy, uh, I got to tell you, one of the things that sort of blew me away uh, a week ago uh, up here watching that that Texans-Patriots game is... I actually spent some time. I invested some time watching the g- couple games the Texans had had. I came away pretty impressed with them. Did a little video breakdown. I was all ready to go and all fired up. And uh, and then it, that that dog happened. <laughs> was uh, was uh, there anything in that performance that surprised you? Anything in there that didn't?
2: Yeah, you know, Matthew, it was. Should I be surprised that any team that goes up to Foxborough and plays up there, uh, mm-hmm. gets undressed, you know, and, and embarrassed? And, all their flaws are shown for everyone to see. I, I mean, you know, it was—it's—it's it's kind of always been that. You know, when we when we played there till now, it just seems like teams go up there with all the greatest intentions. They—they they, they try new things. They present new challenges for for Bill Belichick. They try and sometimes be too cute um, with what they're trying to do, uh, and they just get embarrassed. And all of a sudden, now here in Houston, it's like we have all these problems. Uh, special teams, offensive line isn't isn't very good. Our outside linebackers got destroyed by the Patriots. So that's that's kind of what the, the Patriots do uh, when you go up there and, and play them. But I will say this: um, I, I was surprised to some degree. I thought I thought that Bill O'Brien would be more confident uh, in his in his uh, passing attack, and I think and I thought he'd be more aggressive in his play calling. What typically happens, I think, is a lot of coaches they go up there, Matt. You've seen it. Um, they play conservative. Uh, they don't want to get blown right. out. They want to kind of keep the game close, and so they they start calling a conservative game. I think that happened early on. Um, and you know, once once the Patriots get up on you, um, you know they they barely, really, very rarely let that uh, lead go. So that's what happens. So right now down here, uh, you know everybody's uh, you know worried about of course with JJ J Watt, but a lot of people right now after that performance Brock Osweiler had uh, in New England on Thursday night. Now, uh, you know, there's a concern for the future of our quarterback position.
0: Sure. Uh, so, yeah, yeah you, you touched on one point. There's so much there, and I think it's interesting. I think this is also actually interesting for Patriot fans as well, Though that percentage of the people that listen to our podcast that uh, are more interested in that particular team. But for this reason, I I, I think they they always they do this around here and you know this tj like it's 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 taken sort of the temperature of the rest of the afc they want to know who's a threat and who they think is is legit and all those kinds of things and denver's still out there trucking along and looks like they might be comparable to what they were a year ago uh but you know pittsburgh went and kind of kind of wet the bed last week and then Houston came here and was was built up pretty considerably and just didn't have much of a showing I think the only thing is sort of a a little asterisk in the back of my head or a little thing to sort of hold it aside I always I always kind maybe give too much grace to teams that travel on Thursdays and it's not to say that like, you know, if for some reason the Texans end up pulling things out, having an eleven and five ish kind of year, twelve and four, something like that, or you know, they're in it, whatever. They're in the tournament. Yep. I think I'll think a little differently of them with like a full week of work. And not not the surprises of the the goofy plays that they ran with uh, Jacoby Brissett and all that kind of stuff, but you you also do kind of hit on, a, on on the other key point, the other half of this. You're you're sitting in the middle of the biggest piece of news in the NFL this week. Uh, the NFL's best defensive player, JJ Watt, is looks like he's probably done for the season. So I'm curious, sort of on that same front, uh, one of the first thoughts that popped to mind when when this happened uh, was, you know, it reminded me of a little bit of the of the situation in Minnesota. It's like, okay, we think we have a team around us. Uh, let's make a dramatic move at the quarterback position to try to keep the train rolling. Now, in the interim, yeah. you know, uh, Adrian Peterson goes down and now you've lost two of your guys. But I think J.J. Watt's up a higher caliber and it's not like in a guy like him, you can go trade for someone or go get another one of him. Because right. there aren't any. Right. So, Fundamentally, what is the deal with the Texans in his absence? Uh, how will that switch things around? Can they still be a pretty solid defense?
2: yeah, you know Matt i I think I've told you this before you know i I just think he's the
0: greatest football
2: player I've ever seen. I really do um and so in his production when he's healthy is unmasked. unmatched I mean he just can disrupt the game the entire time um it, it's I've never seen any anything like it, so he's gonna be missed. But he's been non-effective all, you know, the first three games of the season, Matt. He really has not been either close to what, uh, you know, he was last year. And so um, that is going to be – that's going to be a, a big void. It is. However, um, you know, playing defense event in a 3-4 defense, Matt, as you know, is it – you know, it's a position that can have a big impact because it's J.J. Watt, but typically it's not a position that, you know, gets a lot of sacks um you know right. is, is gets a lot of tackles for a loss you know he's big in, in just in you know, knocking down the quarterback so jj watt was that guy but uh most typical you know defense events that you and i play with or to play in, the, in this kind of defense are big stouter you know two gap kind of guy so i think they're right. going to be okay they brought in antonio smith who used to play here yeah. in a three four uh underweight belt so, so to, for some veteran leadership and to maybe do a little bit. But I think they're going to be okay. This defense, um, they have other alpha dogs. Whitney Merciless is really emerging as, as one of the, I think, bright, young bright stars in the NFL um, right. as a pass rusher. J.D. Clowney is healthy for the first time, Matt, uh, in his career. Now, J.D. Clowney, my guess is, he's going to do a lot of the stuff they did with J.J., moving on the right side, moving on the left side. Probably not in side side because I think he's a better pass rusher when he stays on the outside. But um, being traded with him. You know, guys have stepped up. Um, uh, you know, you, what, you have a guy down here named John Simon, who's who I call yep. like a poor man's Mike Grable. He's, he's smart. Yep. You, know, he, like, you know, like a Nikovic or a Levin Grable. Uh, this guy is a smart. He knows, uh, you know, outside linebacker in a 3-4. You played it. It is, You've got to be smart. There's a lot going on, and he's that kind of guy. So My point, and I think you have one of the better secondaries in, in the league. I, I do worry about maybe what they're strong. be. But I think Jonathan Joseph, Supreme Jackson, and Kevin Johnson are one of the best cornerback tandems in the NFL. So I think they can be okay. It's all going to be on the offense, man. Can the offensive line run a lot better? They can, uh, can these receivers get open uh, better and get deep when they could against the England Patriots to help out Brock Osweiler?
0: And off air before we started this thing, TJ, we were talking about the Iowa guy or the state of Iowa a little bit. And it, one of the – I'm not going to say disappointments. He just hasn't been the same player I thought he would be as a pro. C.J. Fedora, which was a guy that I watched a ton of as a Hawkeye, was a big fan of his when I was working at BTN. And I've I've been surprised, shocked really, that he hasn't been more of a at least like a Kyle Rudolph in Minnesota kind of guy, like a big body that's a bruiser that can be a target. I think that was probably the big hole as, as I was watching the Patriots match up with that offense a week ago. They got a shot play guy on Will Fuller. Hopkins seems like a do-everything kind of yeah. guy, but you can roll coverage. Uh, a lot of respect here locally for Lamar Miller, but we knew that they were having problems with the offensive line and protecting. And then, as you mentioned, the, the, the oh. game plan went conservative. It was just that one hole. It's like, you oh. know, if they had a guy like the old, oh. uh, I don't know, who was who was the more productive tight end? Uh, I'm trying to think a few years uh, back for the tight ends. But, back
2: in the day, I mean, yes, you know, if you want to go back to my early days, like big Coats, you know, big, like he's Right, playing. right, right. You know, he's yeah. just a big, you know, Tony, you know, Tony Gonzalez, and he's a, you know, he's a different, you know, level of athlete, but,
0: sure, sure um, sure.
2: but, you know, if just talking about CJ Fedora with him, real quick, before I mention CJ, CJ, I try not to get off track real quick, but I will say this, what the Patriots did to really shut down that offense, Matt, they played cover That's two, right? They played cover crazy. two, so they, so Will Ford, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Malcolm Butler, and Logan Ryan, they had, they had help over the top, so they were just physically being dominant against those guys, taking those guys out of the game, and so uh, by doing that, you know you, you're hoping they, the Texans thought they could run on a, on a seven-man front, and they can't run on Patriots seven-man front because they couldn't when we used to run seven-man fronts. And if you can play cover two, and you have teams that have lethal, uh, you know, uh, weapons like the outside of the wide receivers, the teams are going to test you with the run game in a seven-man box, and they couldn't run it in a seven-man box. Yeah. So. That was what the Patriots defense did and when they did a great job. But the having yeah. said that, CJ Fedorowitz is one of my bigger disappointments because I'm an Iowa guy. You know, he's a he's the quintessential. I mean, looks like Tarzan kind of plays like Jane. I, I mean he really is. He he looks you stand next to CJ Fedorowitz, like this guy's an NFL tight end. He just looks the yeah. part. But I I tell you, he just hasn't figured it out, man. And you know, yeah. like a coach used tell me a long time ago, if they don't bite when they're puppies, they won't when they're big dogs. And he just right. seems to lack that bite and that toughness um, that it takes, uh, you know, to so if you're going to be that size and you're not going to be as effective in the passing game, then I mean, you better be a dominant a blocker. And he's more of a liability, to be honest with you, Matt, than anything else.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I I can't disagree with any of those points. It, it's just someone who. I watched play at a high level in the Big Ten against what I thought was pretty good competition, the, yeah. the Ohio State's and Michigan State's of the world, and I actually kind of thought, I, you know, I knew he wasn't like crazy athletic, Jimmy Graham or as you right. mentioned, you know, Gonzalez <laughs> yeah, or so that kind exactly of athleticism. I thought he was going to be a Bavaro type. I did. I thought I yeah. thought he was going to be a bit of a mauler yeah. and effective in the past game, but. Nah. And it, that's, it's been a shock to me, but I think that would really be the thing that would get them over the top, but all right, man, it was great talking to you. And uh I still say for Patriot fans out there and even Texans fans that are looking for a little uh consolation oddball week, short week. Uh, I got a sense that's still a playoff team. How dangerous to some of the top teams that's, that's yet to be seen, but uh, we'll watch, sit back and watch and see them grow. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Hey,
2: I think. Hey, buddy. My pleasure,
0: man. Uh, Matthew, anytime. I'll see you soon, pal. Take care,
2: dude. See ya. Bye, right, buddy. See you later,
0: man. And that's it for this week's In the Game podcast. I'm Matt Chatham. Great insight today by Brady Papanga and Ted Johnson. Wonderful to have those guys on. As always, check out the footballbyfootball.com website. Check us out on Facebook. Give us that like. Like us on Twitter at fb. By FB. All of those things. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and do that on iTunes. they will shoot you our stuff right away. Tool around there on the new w- website as well. Spend a lot of time on that thing and uh, reformat it. Nice new clean look to it uh, with room there for all the new video and podcasts we'll be posting regularly. So uh, spread the good word. Thank you so much for your listenership. And have a wonderful week, folks. Enjoy the weekend of games. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football Insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Night, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.
2: Good night, Ned.